Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Columbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three martinis coming up. Still no good martinis. If you're with us on Friday, you know that was the case then. But uh, obviously no good martinis today as we devote our uh, podcast to the unfolding chaos and uh, just spectacle of uh, humiliation in Afghanistan. And so, Jim, let's uh, start right off. We finally have someone, first of all, from the Biden administration who's actually willing to go on camera. It's National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, who made the rounds this morning on the network morning shows. Not sure he helped the administration a whole lot. Uh, First of all, here's Savannah Guthrie from the NBC's Today show, not usually one to be too tough on the Democrats, really hammering Sullivan about what's gone wrong here in a big way. Mr. Sullivan, friends and foes alike are calling this withdrawal a fiasco, a debacle. And it is one that apparently the administration did not fully appreciate or see coming. Let me play you uh, some of what the president himself has said in the last six weeks or so. Likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling? None whatsoever. Zero. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. And yet that is precisely what we have seen over these last few days. How do you explain getting this so wrong? Well, first, Savannah, to be fair, the helicopter has been the mode of transport from our embassy to the airport for the last 20 years. But you know the larger that is, point. That is, it's not the that helicopter. Is how we move it's not the mechanism. Forth, so. No, no, it's to, the last minute scramble. You know that. It's the last minute scramble when the assurances from the president himself were this was not what we were going to see. It is certainly the case that the speed with which cities fell uh, was much greater than anyone anticipated, including uh, the Afghans, uh, including uh, many of the analysts who looked hard at this problem. So a little bit of honesty from Jake Sullivan there at the end, but uh, good on, again on Savannah Guthrie for calling him out on his uh, ridiculous answer about uh, helicopters being the normal mode of transportation, which might be the case, but is totally beside the point. Uh, Jim, we've got uh, Biden uh, in hiding. We'll talk about that in a little bit uh, a little bit more. But his only statement uh, was a written one coming out on a Saturday, uh, blaming the Trump administration for setting this deal. And I guess some blame does belong there, but uh, he's been in charge now for seven months. And now you've got chaos in Kabul. Yeah, John Kirby, the Pentagon spokesman, as recently as Thursday, saying there's no imminent danger to Kabul. That clearly didn't pan out in very short order. And now you've got this mad rush of complete chaos at the airport in Kabul with a bunch of Afghans, most of whom probably who helped us and their family members, desperately trying to get out because they know the Taliban is likely to kill them. The Taliban says they just want to secure the city, but we're already getting reports they're yanking people out into the streets and killing them. So uh, it's just a parade of horribles here. What strikes you most? I was going to say, Greg, we're not just getting reports. I don't know, but I, I saw a couple of videos on Twitter today of literally women being executed in the streets. Um, we, you and I try to keep it light on this podcast, but there's no way to do that with what is going on in Afghanistan today. And there's a, I think it demonstrates a degree of the fundamental unseriousness of what we're seeing in the Biden administration that when the ugly truth and the, the you know, are laid out by Savannah Guthrie that Jake Sullivan's first instinct is to, well, actually, in response, well, actually, we've always used helicopters. Like, you know, like that's, oh, okay then. Well, that's fine. Now I'm not going to be thinking about 
the images of desperate Afghans hanging on the sides of planes of a C-17 that left Kabul International Airport and falling to their deaths. They, they grabbed onto the wheels and tried to hang on and obviously at some point lost their grip and died. There are thousands of Afghans there desperate to get out of the country. Um, people are sending messages basically expecting to die. Now we can argue, uh, was it the right decision to withdraw our troops? We can argue the U.S. has spent 20 years attempting to train, you know, set up a Afghan government, train the Afghan military, all that kind of stuff. But the actual circumstance of this particular withdrawal did not have to happen. Biden announced we were going to withdraw all troops months ago. And most of us thought they'd spent the past five months arranging to get everybody out of the country who needed to get out of the country. It was pretty clear that at best case scenario, Afghanistan, our decision to withdraw our troops was sentencing Afghanistan to a prolonged civil war. And that was the good, that was the optimistic scenario. We know the Taliban, we know these guys, we know that all of their promises of, oh, we just want to be part of the new governing coalition were nonsense. And yet the Biden administration chose to believe them because that was the simpler one. Apparently all kinds of reports, Biden overruled all of his military advisors on this. And now there is this half-assed, desperate effort to try to get them, you know, some of our folks out. And apparently there's like 20,000 different translators and folks who've been working for us. All of those people carry a death sentence. The Afghan, the, the great irony that people are describing this morning is that if you're an Afghan who's been working with the United States anytime in the last 20 years, you've got documentation showing that you helped the U.S. military or you helped the U.S. government, you helped international institutions who are trying to rebuild Afghanistan. And that paperwork is you best take it out of there. That paperwork might get you on a plane or on something would get you out of the, out of the country. But if you get caught with that by the Taliban, they will execute you on the spot. So it's this catch-22. You need that papers. It's the only chance you got to get out of the country. But if they catch you with that, you're going to die. That's the situation that Joe Biden, as president of the United States, has forced the people of Afghanistan into this. And while you can say the broad contours of this, you know, the U.S. withdrawal were you know, locked into place or they were pretty well long, Joe Biden breaks every Trump policy he can find. Keystone Pipeline, no problem. Immigration, Paris Accords, all that kind of He can break everything. But this one, all of a sudden, he's powerless. There's nothing he can do. He can just try to, even if you buy into that, Biden made these decisions. Biden made the decision to overrule his military advisors who were warning him of this. Um, and when Jake Sullivan says, look, none of us could have foreseen how quickly the Afghan army would look. Greg, isn't that exactly the sort of job you'd expect of, say, a national security advisor? <laughs> that is your job. I don't know if you only have one job, but you. I mean, it's Jake Sullivan has been here. Look, the president's been getting terrible advice. Nobody around him knows what they're doing. Yeah. Great, great guy. That's really reassuring. <laughs> Jake Sullivan spent a lot of years with Hillary Clinton, so his uh, instinct to just change the subject and try to blame the staff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know exactly. You know what I also read this weekend, Jim, was that uh, you know back in uh, what was it, 2014 or so, when uh, ISIS was rising and Americans and others were getting beheaded over there, and Obama called it uh, a JV team, and we don't need to worry about it. You know, who was the commander of Central Command at that time, and told him that they were not anything to worry about. General Lloyd Austin. So uh, mm. if you think that we're um, headed down a deja vu road with Joe Biden and Lloyd Austin from uh, the debacle in getting out of Iraq to uh, the debacle in getting out of Afghanistan, a lot of parallels there. Some people just don't learn their lessons. But uh, 
Anyway, a lot more to say here. Oh, Sullivan also saying uh, to George Stephanopoulos this morning, Jim, that, uh, you know, if the Taliban doesn't behave and if they give a safe haven to al-Qaeda or any other terrorist groups, we're totally coming uh, back with uh, targeted strikes with a uh, light footprint in the region. So I'm sure that makes What the- on God's green earth would make these people think the Taliban is going to behave? <laughs> well, yeah. By the way, also earlier today, on, again, like you and I, like we, we try to talk through our topics before we go, but things keep happening like while we're discussing it. Right. CNN has just run footage in which their anchor on the ground in Kabul says they're chanting death to America, but they seem friendly at the same time. <laughs> Lessons from the Iranians, Greg. Oh, my goodness. We laugh or else we'd cry and we're going to cry anyway. But uh, anyway, let's take a much needed break here if you're stressed out from all this stuff and who could blame you? Uh, maybe a little bit of help from Theragun is in order. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like us just trying to make it through the day tension-free. Good luck right now. Theragun can definitely help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. But the Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension, using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. I love the Theragun. Mrs. Karambas loves the Theragun, too. You can use it to just, you know, pull the trigger and uh, you use it against uh, the sore muscles, whether it's your back, your neck, your quads, your calves, your bottom of your feet, uh, whatever it is, it's fantastic. And the the Theragun kind of learns what you need. And that's when you you can uh, program the app to give you that specific routine uh, for your own personal therapy. Fantastic. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova. Hundreds of thousands of other customers, and yes, me. So try Theragun for 30 days, starting at just $199. Go to therabody.com/martini right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com/martini. Therabody.com/martini. All right, Jim. Uh, mentioned in passing that uh, so far, um, really, since all of this really just hit the fan since Thursday, and the, the the announcement was made that we were sending troops there to facilitate the evacuation of U.S. personnel and so forth. Haven't heard squat from Joe Biden. He's been up at Camp David for most of that time. We got this weird picture of him yesterday, sitting in the the cabinet room, conference room, whatever you want to call it, all by himself, but a bunch of other people uh, on a video conference. Uh, seems weird that he wouldn't have any other aides there, at least. But uh, nonetheless, we haven't heard squat from Biden, uh, and I guess we won't. Uh, here's Jake Sullivan earlier today on Good Morning America uh, when George Stephanopoulos asked him if we're going to hear from Biden today. Should the American people expect to hear from the president today? I think they can expect to hear from the president soon. He is right now actively engaged with his national security team. He is working the situation hard. He is focused on ensuring that the mission, which is to secure that airport and to continue these evacuations, that that mission continues uh, and is brought to a positive conclusion. That is his overriding focus right now. He's deeply engaged on it. And yes, at the right point, he will absolutely address the American people. So no hint of anything from Biden, in, at least in public, uh, over the past few days. Nothing from Kamala Harris, not that she'd be any good on it anyway. Jen Psaki is on vacation, Jim, so we can't hear from her or apparently anybody else in the press conference, at least to this point. Uh, obviously, if uh, Trump were president or some other Republican, that would be a massive part of this story in the media. Why do you think we're not seeing Biden and what's the significance of it? 
Well, Greg, I should know that right before we started taping, via Twitter, President Biden said, I will be addressing the nation on Afghanistan at 3.45 p.m. Eastern today. Okay. Nope, no further. So he will appear. Now, I think what is one of the things worth noting here is the last time Biden addressed the country appeared in public was Thursday morning. Uh, he went off to uh, Camp David this weekend, so he was not seen Thursday afternoon, evening, all of Friday, all of Saturday, all of Sunday. And while it's not unheard of for the president to spend weekends in Camp David and things like that, uh, look, this is a major foreign policy crisis. This is a, a really bad foreign policy crisis. We mentioned the, the images coming out of Afghanistan that horrify us. This is part of the job of being president. And so I'm glad that Biden will be addressing the country today. I'll be curious about whether this will be a press conference. Will this be a taped statement? Will this be, you know, how exactly this will be uh, a form of this? That, that you know, look, being president of the United States isn't just getting to host the 4th of July celebration. You are the president on the bad days as much as the good days, and you don't get to hide uh, and stay in the bunker, so to speak, and just kind of wait for the storm to go to pass by on days like this. Now, the other thing which was strange, so two, two more odd things about this. First is that the president did issue, I believe, on Saturday, a long written statement yep. about Afghanistan and defending his decision making. Um, I'm a little surprised, and it seems a little odd that the president did not at least like tape a video saying all of this. Um, it was a long, you know, people are good, you know, that your, your auditory and video statements from the president always reach a bigger audience than a, uh, you know, you know, blank sheet of paper with, you know, uh, some rote, uh, you know, uh, speechwriter terms on them, things like that. A little bit strange. Um, then yesterday, the White House put out a Twitter photo of, of Biden alone in the, in the situation room speaking to uh, eight panels on this giant video teleconference wing. Now, I, I observed yesterday. Uh, I think this is a this was one of the clearest signs that the Biden White House was in something of a panic because, look, I'm not an expert. I don't pretend to be an expert. I don't pretend to be good at everything. But, Greg, I think if I were running communications for the White House right now, when I had that photo from the official White House photographer, I would have cropped out the monitors that were labeled CIA and Doha station <laughs> uh, because you generally don't want to tweet that out to the world. Now, were the people on screen at that moment? It's not you know spectacular crisp uh, photo resolution on that. And I'm not sure that the people in those screens are necessarily undercover, but that just seems like the sort of thing you'd either want to blur out or crop out of the photo. And the fact that they didn't do that suggests to me that they kind of rushed this out. This seemed very strange to put this out. And the other thing that was strange is that, so, so Biden is alone in the situation room, I guess, at, um, at Camp David um, with nobody else around him, which seems strange. It's just, you know, it's just him admittedly looking very elderly alone at this giant table looking at these these video screens um now kamala harris was there and pentagon and all the usual officials were there but it was not a particularly reassuring image there and look you part of being president is when you make a bad decision and it goes badly you take your lumps i cannot help but wonder if one of the reasons we have not see, heard from biden or seen biden for the past four days is that he's not taking this well, that this is going very, very bad. He has just made one of his big major foreign policy decisions has just blown up in his face. And after all those things he insisted in that press conference a month ago have come to pass in vivid living color, helicopters leaving the embassy, all that kind of stuff. Um, he said, this is not gonna be another Saigon. The headline in the Wall Street Journal quotes somebody on the ground saying, this is Saigon on steroids. It almost, it's very hard to imagine how it could have possibly gone worse. And I should emphasize that as a time of us recording this a little bit after 11 on Monday, it could very well get worse over the next couple of days. 
Kabul International Airport is not secure. At this point, it's basically the re, you know, the, the remaining Americans in there are, you know, the only thing that's we got them safe is the Taliban hasn't found them yet. There are at least 20,000 uh, of our translators still on the ground there. There are Americans still on the ground there. Who, like The irony of like, when they say this isn't Saigon, in Saigon, all the Americans left, Greg. Yes. We didn't leave anybody behind. This That's the big difference with this one. That, this is how disorganized this, this thing is. Um, I, I'm very curious to what the president will say. I, I'm curious about what he could say. They would make this abominable, uh, humiliating defeat for America and its values uh, any better. But I do believe that standing before the public and answering questions is part of the accountability of our elected leaders. And it was rather embarrassing that the president of the United States was simply hiding from everyone, or at least certainly appeared that he was hiding for everyone for the past from everyone for the past four days. I'd be surprised. I think shake out, Greg. But this is, you know, like even by the standards of being willing to accept the consequences of your actions, this is an embarrassment for the country. Well, I would be very surprised if he actually took questions. I could be wrong about that, and I could be proven wrong in short order. I also expect him to uh, put a lot of the blame on Trump once again, and also on the Afghan forces for uh, for not uh, continuing to fight. So that's my prediction, but uh, we will see uh, very soon. All right. Let's uh, talk about something a little bit happier, and that's the uh, comfortable towels you can get at a great discount right now from MyPillow. Um, Nothing beats the feel of a luxurious towel when you step out of the shower, so wrap yourself in nothing but the best with the MyPillow towel set. I have always said I love the towels. They're big, they're soft, they're fluffy. They get you dry in a big old hurry, and right now you're still getting them at a huge discount. You can get the six-piece towel set, which regularly sells for $109.99 for just $39.99. Now each towel set is two bath towels, two hand towels, and a washcloth two-pack. They're made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent. They're soft to the touch without that lotion-y feel, and they're made from cotton grown right here in the United States of America. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, and they have a 60-day money-back guarantee, plus a one-year limited warranty. So visit MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener's Specials button, and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout, or call 800-874-0104. The MyPillow six-piece towel set for only $39.99. Now while you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets and MyPillow premium pillows. It's MyPillow.com, or call 800-874-0104. All right, Jim, last uh, martini for the day. And what happens in Afghanistan does not happen in a vacuum. Those who do not like us see what's happening and they see it to their advantage. Uh, This is the uh, tweet from the Global Times, which Twitter will happily point out, is a China state affiliated media. They're not blocked or suspended or anything. But anyway, uh, from their editorial, it says, from what happened in Afghanistan, those in Taiwan should perceive that once a war breaks out, not if, that once a war breaks out in the Straits, the island's defense will collapse in hours and the U.S. military won't come to help. As a result, the DPP will quickly surrender. And so the DPP is the the ruling party there in Taiwan. And uh, Jim, this is about as subtle as a heart attack. Yeah, precisely. And Look, the, the, the interesting you know, point here is that the Chinese state media is almost like gloating and saying this is coming next. I mean, they're not, they're not you know, announcing war, they're not declaring war, but they are basically, this is an attempt to demoralize the Taiwanese. And I think the Taiwanese have reason to be concerned about how much a Biden administration would really be willing to uh, stick its neck out to defend what is 
by every measurable standard, an independent country. Um, I think for this matter, for that matter, I think Ukraine has to be sweating a great deal this morning. I think the Baltics have to be sweating a great deal this morning. I think any American ally that has been relying on U.S. military force and the will of the American people and the American administ this current administration has got to be sitting there and thinking, how much is the United States of America still willing to stand up for its allies? Because clearly they were like, okay, we're, we're going to leave our own translators on the ground to get killed. We will not even take the time and effort to make sure they get out first. We are so scarred by 20 years of war and the war on terror that we don't want to fight anywhere anymore, which is you know, one of those things where the, if for the Chinese, for the Russians, hell, for the Iranians and uh, uh, the, you know, the Straits of Hormuz, for basically any, uh, any government that is feeling like making a power grab or a territory grab, the question is, how much is the United States really willing to fight? How many young men and women are they willing to sacrifice in order to keep the lines on the map what they are? And if the answer is not many at all, then it's like, okay, Katie, bar the door. We're back to the great powers fight before World War I. It is going to be chaos on the world stage. And the, the other part, the question is that does somebody take this experience and say, aha, America has lost its willingness to fight. America has lost its willingness to lead. They they talk a good game. Obama, I mean, uh, Biden struts around saying America is back and talking about how we're, we're back to leading the world stage, but they're not really willing to do it. That deep down, they always will, you know, cut and run. That the question then is, does somebody, you know, start biting off more than they can chew and provoke a larger conflict? And then the interesting question is like, you know, could it be Taiwan? Could it be Ukraine? Could it be the Baltics? Could it be some other corner of the globe that we haven't thought about too much? Is somebody going to start a fight that actually we are going to respond to because it do, is important enough for our uh, our geopolitical interests, for our national interest, and we end up in a major fight, in a major war that in the end was triggered by the perception of American weakness. I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen, but it seems like a really legitimate concern for the remainder of this year, maybe for many years to come, of whether we're going to see additional uh, uh, additional aggression. Um, in part out of a sense that the Biden administration is feckless and doesn't have the willingness to fight. And also just kind of recognition that, you know, I, there's a part of me wondered if we'd see some of this during the Trump years. I think you can safely say that during the Trump years, a lot of countries looked at Trump and said, this guy's crazy. I have no idea what he's going to do. If we decide to invade a certain amount of, you know, take over our neighbor, if, if in Iraq over, you know, tries to invade Kuwait style situation, big powerful country decides to take over a small powerless neighbor. You never know if Trump was going to nuke somebody over it. You have no idea what Trump's policy was going to be on any given day. He gets up on TV, he sees something that pissed him off on uh, on MSNBC, he decides to launch all-out war, you know, or he decides to buy Greenland that day. There was never any predictability to it. And for whatever reason, that seemed to work well enough to deter at least some cases of aggression. In the Biden administration, I think they see a scared and quiet old man. And we'll see how things shake out from here, but it certainly is not encouraging. Hey, wonderful way to start the week, Congress. <laughs> exactly. And I'm just thinking about how the world yawned when uh, China just took over Hong Kong, too. I mean, that was mm. at least scheduled to happen eventually, but just the, the trampling of rights. Uh, yeah, it was during a pandemic, but you could have at least issued a stronger worded statement or, or done some sort of sanctions. But apparently that's too much work. Anyway, Jim, uh, let's hope the news gets better uh, as the week unfolds, but uh, I'm not super confident about that. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. We're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. 
Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.